1 Corinthians chapter 12, and starting in verse 12, it says, For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. In those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor and our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can come to it in every timing of our life and every circumstance and and receive from you exactly what we have need of because your word is alive and it's active and it's helping us. It is health to us, to our soul and to all of our flesh. And I pray that you would incline our ear today to what you would say uh, and open our eyes to the wonders of what you have done in the body of Christ. And we thank you for these things in Jesus name. Amen. So we into 12, our living by faith series where we, we saw Jesus in that Old Testament and then we saw in the Old Testament lives of faith examples uh, that we could use in encouraging our walk uh, today. We finished up last week uh, with strengthen the tired hands and the weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but be healed instead. And, and we will be going to another uh, book of the Bible, verse by verse, uh, soon. Uh, But I wanted to spend, it was just on my heart to spend at least some weeks, how many, we'll see as the Lord leads, but at least some weeks talking about the church, talking about the body of Christ. And and so most of you are familiar, just kind of the rhythm of uh, teaching here throughout the year. We are normally in a book of the Bible going verse by verse. Um, And then usually there'll be a little short period there where we cover something topical. Like last year, it was the soul, right? That we all have one and we need to know about it. The soul and also idolatry. And then in December, we have Advent. In January, we have 
focus, foundation, and prayer, and then right back into a book of the Bible, verse by verse. And then you have some in there, Hebrews, we're not legalistic about it. The Hebrews series was a little bit of a mix between the two. It was verse by verse out of that little section there. But that's kind of the rhythm. And then our Wednesday night Bible study follows along with either the book that we're in going verse by verse or the one we've been in most recently. So in our Wednesday night Bible studies, we'll still be in Hebrews chapter 11 when we get back there. And and that on Wednesday night in our Bible study and then in our question box questions that we were covering, this just really began to stir in my heart uh, about the church and the body of Christ. And reinforced even more in what I call our early service, our 930 conversation that we have. Um, I know a lot of you have been, uh, know what I'm talking about. But if you don't, Kemper and I, because I'm here early, he would get here early for uh, band practice, worship band practice. Which, by the way, didn't they do a good job this morning? Aren't we thankful for them? I know we had, uh, you know, we have Heather and Andrew, they're out of town, but just so thankful uh, for the others to step up and, and fill in through a little bit of difficulty. You know, we realize how good a job Andrew does when he's not here uh, because we, you know, try to fill in for him. But I think they did a great job. Uh, but they get here early because they don't just hop up there, you know, at, at, at 10 uh, 30 and, and start to, to sing. They get here having prepared in thought and in mind individually beforehand. They get here early uh, to practice. And, and I appreciate that about them. I'll, I'll step off on this just real quick. Um, they are all worshipers first and second. Uh, they are not performers. While they are great at what they do, every single one of them to a person, great at what they do, technically sound as far as I can tell. I don't know very much about it, but I'm always uh, pleased. I feel like we got the best. Um, but I don't tell everybody else that they'll get sad, but I feel like we've got the best, but they are worshipers first and second. They're not up there to impress you or to perform for you or for anybody else. Uh, they're up there to worship. And, and that's what we love. And obviously that's what we want. And I've learned uh, that when you appreciate something, you should say something about it. Uh, so y'all tell Andrew and Heather because they're not here. Um, but they get here early to practice and I'm here, you know, piddling around and, and doing some, you know, last looking over my notes and, he would come out from practice and we'd sit and we would just talk uh, about various things, sometimes just what's going on. But we started talking more and more about things of the word and uh, this walk of faith and uh, things that are going on. And, and he said, I really feel like we should invite other people <laughs> to join us. Like, well, I enjoy this. It's one of my favorite times of the week. Uh, and so we should invite others to join us. And so we, we get together. It's about 930. Um, until about 10, 10, 15. Unless something comes up today, we had to kill a bunch of ants. Thank you, John, for helping with that. Uh, you know, you just never know what's going to pop up. It also helps to be here a little bit early just in case of that. But uh, we, we kept all those rabbit trails to say this. We kept coming back to the value of the church and the value of the body of Christ. And it just kept stirring in my heart. And I've, I've done this long enough. I haven't done it a super long time. I've done it long enough to know that, that what's stirring in my heart is what I should keep pulling on and running with this topic, this conversation on the value of the church and the body of Christ. So today we're going to do an intro to that. I look at that uh, and then we're going to look into it more deeply over these next few weeks 
Uh, we see here in Corinthians, Paul's writing to the church of Corinth, and he's using an analogy to teach them about who they are in Christ. Remember, analogy taking two things that are similar and comparing them so you learn more about both. Uh, and, and he wants them to better understand and appreciate the body of Christ, the church, which they are a part of. And if you've heard that term, the body of Christ, this is one of the main places that that comes from. This is where that started was him using this analogy and writing a letter to the church of Corinth. And he's pointing out that though we come from different experiences, different backgrounds, different situations, we're different people. I mean, we're all very different people. We are baptized into, verse 13, one body with one spirit. We are one body. We're not many, you know, little bodies running around. We are brought together in one body. And he uses this example because a human body has many parts, not just one. It is one body, but it's made up of so many parts. And that diversity is united and unified in our body. And this is his response to, to their question that they were asking without asking, which is, how does this work? How are we supposed to do this? Uh, they were, you know, Corinth had only recently been reached by the gospel. They're still trying to walk this out. And, and so they had been running into some dissension, some division, some uh, heated discussions. And, and so the question that they were asking but not asking is, how does this work? How are we supposed to do this? How are we supposed to walk together? Uh, and he's explaining to them that you, you, the church, the body of Christ, aren't brought together because of your commonalities. You're not brought together because you share things in common that, that, you, that you all like uh, sports or that none of you like mayonnaise. You know, you're, you're not brought together by your commonalities because you are so different and diverse. You're brought together by the Spirit. And when we're brought together, we don't lose what makes us individual. We don't lose our identity that we have, but we gain a, a greater and more ultimate identity as a part of the body of Christ. And with that, we gain some new abilities and, and new access that we would not have had alone. And again, he uses this analogy of the human body. Think about how diverse the parts of your body are, what all it is that you've got going on in this body that you have, it's complicated and it's precise and it's and, and when you're healthy, it's all operating together in unity to accomplish things that it never could have on your own. So many parts operating together in unity. Just think about what all it takes for, for your body to walk across the room. Everything that is engaged, just what we know of. Just the, just the little bit of knowledge that we have, uh, average person about anatomy, you think about all the things that are engaged just for me to be able to walk across a room. There's little crystals. Are how strong you're back. You're not making it across there. All the things that are working together, communicating together, operating together in unity so that you can accomplish something. They're all engaged, they're producing, and they're supporting. And this is the analogy that Paul has chosen to use by the leading of the Holy Spirit to tell us about the church and to tell us about the body of Christ. Again, Corinth was experiencing some division. 
Uh, some of them wanted to only listen to Paul. Some of them only wanted to listen to Apollos. And, and he was having to try to straighten this out and go, why are y'all divided? He's brought you together into one body. You don't seem to realize that. And he's wanting them to see not only the fact of it, but the beauty of it to be part of the body of Christ. He wanted them to see it and us with them that they had been baptized into one body in Christ and that we weren't made to operate alone, right? So you can look at verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if all were the same part, where would the body be? Be. I don't want to hang out with a bunch of people that are exactly like me, right? As it, I heard one man say, if, if, if two people always agree, one of you is unnecessary. If two of you always agree, then one of you is unnecessary. Why? Because this one can do it. You know, you, that, that's a marriage lesson probably. We aren't made to operate alone. So again, introduction, this is going to be very light today. I just want to present some thoughts uh, to you as we start this so that we're thinking on the body of Christ. And, and um, it, you've heard me share them before. If you've heard me talk about the church, you've probably heard me share about the, these two lies that our hearts can tend to believe uh, when we are thinking about the church and when we're thinking about the body of Christ. We don't want to believe these two. We, we, we tend to believe one or both of these two. And so I always want to warn you about those when we begin to think about this because the, you are subject to thinking that away. Number one is that I don't need the body. I don't need uh, the church. You know, you'll hear people say this. Well, I don't need I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I just need Jesus in my Bible. Right. That's all I need. Jesus and my Bible and our response to that, which is loving. But it's still direct is where did you get those two things from? You say all you need is Jesus in your Bible. Where did you get them from? Where did you get your Bible? Don't say the store. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not asking you where you ordered it from. How did you come to know about Jesus and hold that Bible in your hands? Well, look at that. It wasn't just you by yourself. It was the church. You know, Jesus didn't come down, drag you out of your car on the side of the road and begin to reveal the revelation to you. He did it through the church. And you, somebody even say, well, he did that to Paul. Saul, when he was on the road to Damascus, he did knock him off of his donkey and he blinded him. He said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. But then what he did is he sent Paul into the city, led by the hand because he was blind. And guess who he ran into? Guess who was there waiting on him? The church, the body of Christ. Ananias was the one that came, prayed over him, saw him healed, saw him baptized, and brought into the believing community. And guess what they did? They loved on him. They, they taught him. They, 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 they nursed him not only to health in his body, but helped him process what was going on to him. So again, 
this all I need is Jesus in my Bible. You do need Jesus and you do need your Bible, but you need to understand how that came about being right in front of you. And it's the church. That's the vehicle that he has chosen to spread his message around the world. Since the gospel began to move around the world, it has continued to move around the world. And it does so through the church. And when you say, I only need Jesus in my Bible, then you're only going to have you and Jesus and your Bible. And you aren't going to be the part in the body that you are supposed to be. That's the argument is I, I, I don't need the body. That's the lie that we can believe is that I can do this on my own. How did you get those that are in your hand? And we can go to Romans chapter 10. Uh, you know, how can they call on one who they haven't believed in? How can they believe if they haven't heard? How can they hear lest it's preached to them? And how can it be preached to them if somebody isn't sent to do the preaching? And who's doing the sending? The body of Christ. The body of Christ is equipping us to go out to minister the gospel in every area where we are. And so to, to, for us to flourish and to thrive in this Christian life, uh, we, we need and we require fellowship with the body of Christ. Can you not? You cannot. It's just not going to be good. It's not going to be what you want it to be. Can you be married and not go home? You can. It's going to go better if you go home. <laughs> it's, you're going to have access to much more benefit if you go home. Can, can you walk without the body? You can. You really don't want to. And so then the question comes up. Well, if it's so good, why would we not want to? Why would we not want to walk with the body of Christ? And the answer to that is it can be very difficult to walk with the body of Christ sometimes, can't it? That's the reason why you wouldn't is because it's difficult. If it was amazing and easy, we would all do it all the time. But it's not easy all the time. It's difficult. And that's why I said that word, the value of the church, the value of the body of Christ. That's what kept coming back up in my heart and in my mind. Because when I say the word value, what I mean is benefits that I receive over burdens that I endure. So there are burdens that you endure. And this is anything. This is if you go buy uh, deodorant at Walmart, there's a there's a burden that you're enduring. What? I got to go to Walmart. I got to pay however much, five or six dollars for this stick of deodorant. Right. That's the burden I'm enduring. The benefit is I don't stink and I'm not the guy that sinks. And that's above the burden. And so everything in here between that burden top and my value or my benefit bottom is my value. It's valuable for me to do that. And, and so that's what I mean when I say the value of the church. There are difficulties. It's difficult to walk in the body of Christ, but the benefits far outweigh the burdens and leave me with all the value in between. And I saw that scale again, and I was reminded of that scale again uh, of benefit over burden and the value of something because we went on a family vacation this last week. And it's difficult to be a part of a family. Why? Because we're all people. We all have a tendency to be selfish. We all struggle with that. 
And we are all different. You know, your family is a little microcosm, a little small example of the body. Because even though you're all related, you have even genetics in common almost all of the time, right? you're, You're different, and those differences can grate on one another. And that difficulty brings about a burden. And there was one day on vacation that I was just mad at all of them. All of them, even Luke, maybe, maybe not as much Luke, but I was just mad at all of them. And you know what? They were all mad at me. They were all mad at me. And it was a result of, you know, too much time together, hot, tired, hungry, all the things, right, that normally, you know, because is it really a family vacation if you don't have at least a blow up, right? If you don't have a little bit of the time where you're not just mad uh, at everybody, and again, a lot of it is our, our, our differences, right? We process things differently. If you keep me stimulated for days at a time, I just want to go in a room by myself where it's quiet and, and, and nobody's talking to me and I need to recharge. And the other half of my family, uh, they don't want to be in the room where it's quiet and dark and nobody's talking. They want to be out where lights are flashing and people are talking and stuff's going on. And obviously that creates some difficulty and some friction. Now, because so basically what happened is my, my tanks were empty because it was the last, last full day of vacation. But also, you know, thankfully with some food and some rest and some apologizing, we, we were able to get back on the right track and improve. And, but so we had that. It was difficult. It was difficult. Um, but then I noticed something that night. That night, uh, we had packed everything up. We're getting ready to leave out the next morning. I'd already sent everybody else to bed. I was like, we're not staying up late tonight. Go to bed. And I'm sitting up because I got to wind down. I'm the one that has to wind down. Kelly can just fall in the bed and go to sleep. My mind's got to slow down a little bit. And again, got to get in that room where nobody's talking and it's quiet. And I'm also the one that checks everything to make sure the doors are locked, everything's secure, that we're not going to die in the middle of the night. That's, I'm, that's my responsibility, right? You may have that in your household. You may be the one that checks everything. And so I'm sitting down in the living room of this house that we stayed in, which was a neat, neat house, over 120 years old in St. Louis. We stayed in this house, and it was loud. And what I mean by that, that 120-year-old house is always moving and creaking and it popping, like loud pops. And the houses are really close to one another, so sometimes you're getting noises from the neighbors. And it's a neighborhood, so you've got noise, and, and it's quiet in there. And, you know, I'm, I'm just sitting there on my iPad, and all of a sudden I hear this, bang! And I was like... And you may be the one too. You may be the one that hears a noise and goes, that was a noise, whatever. I'm the one that hears a noise and goes, if we were under attack right now, how would I handle this? Do you do that? And I don't do it out of fear. I just do it out of planning. That's how I think. I can be in a public restroom and I'm like, what if this guy makes a move right here? So if you see me making a face, just know I'm just ready. I'm just ready. But I'm thinking through this and I'm like, what if, what if we are under attack? It could be. And nowhere in my reflex, nowhere in my thought was to just run out the door and leave them. And I had been mad at them that day. <laughs> they had been mad at me. 
But nowhere when I thought, just thinking, you know, just that imagination, like, well, what if, what if this or that? Nowhere was there ever a thought of I'm going to run off and leave them. My move was going to be towards where they were. My move was going to be towards them. And, and that was just a, a highlighted to me and it was an example to me in my heart. And the Lord, because I'm thinking on this and he just kind of ties the things together. And I made the note in my phone like this is the way that it's supposed to be in the body of Christ. I'm not always going to get along with you. You're not always going to get along with me. Our differences are going to grade on one another. We're going to be tools in one another's sanctification. The Lord is going to use you to teach me patience and he's going to use me to teach you patience and kindness and how to forgive. But then when the, when the stuff hits the fan, we're not supposed to run away from each other and scatter. We're supposed to come together and deal with it as a body and as a family. Amen. The body of Christ. And I know it's good to be a part of a good family. And I also know enough to know we don't all come from the same situation. We haven't always all had a good family. Some have had families that were uh, toxic, that were dangerous, and that you had to distance yourself from them. And so I understand we're coming from different situations. But I also know if you were in one of those situations, you knew enough to know. Even if that was the only family you had ever had, you knew enough to know it's not supposed to be this way. It's not supposed to be this way. And, and the body of Christ is a good family. It's a good family. It will come with difficulty because we're people and we're different and we used to be sinners and, and we, we're still bent a little bit towards that. And he's still sanctifying us and straightening us up. But it is worth it. And if we expect the difficulty and we know that it's going to come, then we can be prepared to uh, forgive and to walk in humility so that we can experience those benefits. And then when the heat is on or there's a threat to us or to another, we, we don't scatter. I don't move myself away from you to try to be more safe. I move myself towards you. I bring my safety into your danger so that you're less in danger than you were. The body of Christ is a good family. So the first lie is that you don't need the body. It's a lie. He's got to get it out. You need the body of Christ. Second lie is, is that the body doesn't need you. And we'll tell ourselves that one too. Once we get past, I don't need the body, then we may also believe that the body doesn't need me. Body doesn't need me. What, what do I do? What, what part do I have? I don't, I don't feel like the body has need for me. You, each one of you, each one of us, are uniquely gifted with purpose from God the Father and he has positioned you in the body as he sees fit. Say, well, I don't fit in. What if your liver said that? Right? What if your liver, it's in here somewhere. I don't know where it is or how big it is. I picture it in my, I picture it in my, it's over here on this side, Jerry said. I picture it in my mind. Have you ever pictured like your internal organs in your mind? Like I picture my liver being this long. 
Like just when I picture it and you know, it's not even all going to fit in there if it's that big, but it's in there somewhere. And it's the only thing that's like it's thing in your body. I don't know what it does. Jared could probably tell us what it does. Most of y'all don't know either. So I don't feel bad. It may, you know, I, I don't fit in. There's not anybody else like me. I'm not even sure what it is I do. I'm in here. I'm purple. I don't know what's going on. But you let it get sick. And every other part of your body knows it. I think that's, it's probably not, but I think that's why it's called the liver. Because if it's not working and it goes out, you die. You're not living anymore. Your liver, it's your liver. It's what keeps you alive. Jared's probably rolling her eyes. But it's the only thing like it. See, we're subject to want to hang out with, well, I'm an eye. What do I want to do? I want to hang out with all the eyes. Well, hang out where the eyes are. Why? Because I know how an eye works. I know how they think. I, I can talk to them on an eye-to-eye level. But if the whole body's an eye, where's the hearing? If the whole body's an eye, how are we going to go anywhere? How are we going to get anything done? We need him. And he has given gifts to the body that we can benefit from. I need the him I need the spirit that's at work in you because you have something that I don't have. You are you have the ability to walk in something graciously and and well that I don't have the ability to walk in that graciously and well. Now I can walk in this graciously and well and that one's difficult for you. And then when we come together, we fill in one another's gaps. We need what it is that he's given you that makes you, you. And that's why he's put you in the body of Christ. Look at verse 21. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the eye also can't say to the hand, you don't need me. That's the the reverse of that. I can't say I don't need you, but I also can't tell you that you don't need me. We need one another in the body of Christ. And again, today, an intro, as we go through this, we're going to look more into the body, the church. And so today, what, what I want you to know is that it, yes, it is. It's not a secret. It is difficult to be a part of the body of Christ. It's difficult to be a part of something that's so much larger than you, that's so much different than you, that's so diverse. And if we do it on our own, we'll hurt one another. But if we walk together by faith, like we've been talking about, being led by the Spirit, then it opens up doors to things that we could never experience alone. We could never see alone. We could never, ever accomplish alone. And he's got stuff that he wants us to do. We're going to talk about some of that. We're going to get into it. We can't do it alone. We can't do it with just a few of us. We have to have the body in full operation. Otherwise, we're going to be like somebody walking around missing these pieces that are on here. No no foot, one eye, can't smell. All the different things that would be missing, you take one thing out. But again, you look at what you're able to accomplish when your body, though it's so diverse, is walking together together in unity 
the amount of strength that can be pulled together, the amount of ability that you then have access to is miraculous. It's difficult. The best things in life are difficult. Have you noticed that? If you left today and decided that from now on, I'm only going to do what's easy. Think about all the things you're not going to do. I'm not going to talk to Kelly ever again. She's not going to, because she won't talk to me because I'm not easy. I'm difficult, but hopefully the good outweighs the difficulty. It's going to be difficult. And again, it's a tool that he uses in our sanctification. It's not easy for me to find out I was wrong about something and then have to put that to right. That's not easy. That's difficult, but it's best. It's best for me and it's best for those around me. There's a burden, but there's a greater benefit. And again, when you have a healthy body, all the parts united in their diversity, how amazing it is. Don't believe the lies. You need the body. You need to be a part in the body and the body needs you. The body needs you. Well, but, but I'm, 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 I'm weak. I can't even do very much. Verse 22. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. I think there it's talking about our organs, right? The stuff that's inside, the, the, the stuff that's not strong enough, it has to be protected. But it's like that, the, the parts of you that are weaker are indispensable. Well, I, you don't, you know, you don't really know me. I've, I've got a story. I've got a history. I'm not really respectable. Verse 23. The parts of the body that we consider less, that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect. See how that works? Verse 25. So that. There's that so that again. This and this so that there would be no division in the body. But that the members would have the same concern for one another. So if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or endure with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. See that? We fight together. We win together. We celebrate together. Because we did it together. Verse 27. And this is going to kind of be the... I just, this is kind of the banner. Now you are the body of Christ. And individual members of it. You are... The body of Christ on the earth and individual members of it. He knows that we're still individuals. He knows that we're still distinct from one another. But he said, you're going to be joined together in a way that is miraculous. He's going to take and make a people for himself that were not a people. And it's going to bring in all of the nations from all over the world to bring glory to him. And bring his kingdom to the earth. There's things that you can only receive in the body. There's things that you can only receive in the body. We, we have a diversity of gifts. 
We didn't have time to cover that today. That's what he talks about right before this spot where we're at. There's a diversity of gifts that goes on in the body and we need all of it. There's not anything on that list that I look to and go, yeah, we could leave that out. We could bounce that out. We don't, we, we don't really need that. We don't really want that. Now, some places they do that. And they'll, they'll, they'll see. But we need the body. It's difficult, but it's worth it. We are not alone. We are not isolated. But he has brought us together. And again, not just that. We're just a local expression of the body. And then we're a part of the worldwide body of Christ. And when we walk together, when we're unified together, it makes all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. It's a work that only He could have done. That only He can do. He's the only one that can put it together. He's the only one that can sustain it. And we get to be a part of it. Amen.